Hi everyone and welcome back. It's me Nisha and this is another episode of Adam's O of Thoughts. Today's thoughts are always very thought provoking, it's very intriguing, it's very exciting to say the least. This week's episode, I'll be talking about the illusion of self, exploring the nature of identity. Why am I talking about this? Because I have a curious mind and I wanted to know why do we do the things that we do? Why do we think the way that we think? And why do we perceive the world the way that we do? I got curious, so I'll be delving into the concept of self-identity, questioning whether our sense is a stable construct or a mere illusion. So I've read a bunch of articles and blogs and watched a bunch of videos and everything from philosophy, psychology to neuroscience to all of it because I wanted to get a proper idea of what is self. It is just all an illusion. So let's explore the fascinating realm of identity and its implication in our lives. But before I do get into that, I do want to say, if you're listening to me on any of the podcasts and platforms, please go ahead and share your support, like, follow, subscribe, do whatever it is that you got to do. If you're watching me on YouTube, please like, share, subscribe and leave a comment in the comment section, you know, sound off below in the comment section. I'm also available on all social media platforms under Adam's Off Thoughts. And as always, my thoughts keep me amused and things very interesting. So there's this famous philosopher called René Descartes. I'm probably butchering that. I'm just going to say René Descartes. He famously said, cogito ergo sum or cogito ergo sum. However you want to pronounce that. But it translates to English is, I think, therefore I am. I have to define what self is. Because, yes, you talk about self and you ask people and they're like, yes, self is me, right? I, well, that is not wrong. It is. I don't know how you define self, but that essentially is what self is. But self allows one to distinguish themselves from another person. It allows you to be an individual. So the way you think, the way you perceive the world, your personality, the way you dress, all of that is your sense of self. But I feel like you can't talk about personality without even talking about Sigmund Freud and his theory on ID and ego and superego. I don't know if you're familiar with that theory where he says that all of it, they work together and ID is what you're born with and the ego is what allows you to do something and the superego kind of reels it in or vice versa. I'm not here to talk about Freud because Freud is on some next shit right now. But when it comes to self being an illusion... And we often use pronouns, pronouns such as I, which I is a personal identity, right? It's the individual self. It's the one that we can think of as being in charge. The I that's responsible for our thoughts, our emotions. It sees things, it observes, and then it makes decisions. It makes us do things. It carries out actions. It, it carries out actions. It's responsible for our physical body. So you, there's a myriad of things that the I is responsible for. The self, the I self that's responsible for. But then there's a part of it where there's also me. And upon researching and reading, apparently it's two different things because you, the I, again, is responsible for the individual. It's, it's the individual self. It, it sees things. It allows you to do things. It allows you to make decisions. All the decisions and everything that you've made, all the thoughts, all the emotions, all of that is coming from the I. 
the little voice in your head, so to speak. The me is who you think you are. And there's different concepts, like you have the Eastern versus the Western, and you talk about Buddhism, and you talk about Taoism, and and how in Buddhism, there is no self. They have this word they call anatta, where there is no self. They practice something completely different versus on the Western side of things where we're told about the I. We're very, but I think in general, we're very selfish. We're very selfish creatures. We're selfish beings. We're humans. Everything that we do is for yourself. But the reason why our brain uses I and me and the self and everything like that, it, it allows our brain to make sense of what's going on. It allows our brains to connect our experiences together. Our brain basically writes the narrative. It is always creating illusions. So when you think about perceptual illusions and what perceptual illusions is that, and this is why it ties back into self being an illusion or the illusion of self is because what perceptual illusion is or perceptual illusions is that I don't know if you have a scene you're on the internet or something and you've seen these pictures where it asks you what can you identify can you see the old man face or can you see the girl or can you see the tree or can you see the pig or can you see whatever it is and basically what it is it has maybe two actual images or more but then in the negative space, it's what is asking you to identify the thing that's in the negative space that exists in the negative space or that's in the negative space. I don't know if it exists. It's in the negative space. And a lot of times it's maybe two faces. It may be two objects, whatever objects or three or more objects that's actually there. But there is this negative space that your brain just automatically fill in and saying, well, the negative space looks like a tree or it looks like another face or it looks like a boy or a girl or a car or this whatever it is there's a myriad of them online that is literally what perceptual illusion is is when your brain actually fills in that negative space with something that it looks like so when you talk about the illusion of self that's what it's referring to because there's actually no center in the brain that's responsible for self so there is centers for emotions, there are centers for memories, there are centers for every single thing that you can think of, but there's actually no center in the brain that's responsible for self. And this is why they're saying that it's the illusion of self because it actually doesn't exist in the brain. There's no center for it. So when neurologists or neuroscientists, when they did research on the brain and they wanted to know what area is specifically responsible for self, they couldn't find any area. But with that being said, I do want to share a little thing that I, I happen upon and is very fascinating. So there is this study that was done because I think, you know, I, I'm going to say we all know, I'm going to take in uh, a guess and say we all know that the brain has two centers, two hemispheres, the left hemisphere and the right hemisphere. And what it is that it is separated by fibers, a corpus callosum fibers is what separates the left and the right side of the brain. And there is an actual research that was done by Sperry and Gazziniga. 
And what they wanted to do was to stop epilepsy in epileptic patients. So what they thought about doing was to actually separate the left brain from the right brain because it's, it's literally, you can, I didn't know this, you can literally separate it. So they separated it and they realized that it actually helps with seizures. However, what the fascinating thing is that, okay, so it's, it's called the split brain. It's split brain theory, split brain test, I think, or split brain study, I think it's called. I can't remember what the name of the study is, but it's a very famous study done by, as I said earlier, Sperry and Gazzaniga. And what they found out is that the left brain and the right brain, so the left brain controls the right side of the body and the right brain controls the left side of the body fascinating stuff well I think is fascinating but not only that whenever they show the side of the brain that's responsible for say laugh and they show it like literally laugh to that side of the brain that's responsible for laugh the patient or the subjects would actually laugh but then when they ask because we're talking about the actual brains being separated. The brain is split. It's not connected by that corpus callosum, that corpus callosum, right? So they show it, they show the brain, they show the patient laugh or the subject laugh. The subject or the patient will laugh. And then they would show the other side of the brain that's responsible for actions and interpretations and everything. They show that side of the brain and they're like, or they say, why did you laugh? And it would make up a story. Even though false or not true, it makes up a story as to why it laughed, as opposed to saying, I laugh because you told me to. It actually told a joke. And I'm just like, okay, did I lose it? Okay, so what I'm saying is another, another um, experiment that they performed was they show the side of the brain that's responsible for movement to walk. The subject actually got up and walked. And then they asked the side of the brain that's responsible for interpretations. They're like, why did you get up and walk? And the answer was, even though not true, but it's something that's plausible. I forgot I left something inside. I had to go get it or something like that. And it's just like, but obviously that's not what happened. Instead of just saying, you told me to walk, so I get up and walk. Because the two sides of the brains weren't connected. Isn't that fascinating? So it literally needs to be connected to come up with the actual thing that makes sense. I mean, not that it didn't make sense, but to come up with the accurate response to what's happening, which is, you told me to laugh, so I laughed, rather than the brain that's responsible for interpretation actually telling a joke which is not true. It's, it didn't laugh. The right side or the left side of the brain, whichever side is responsible for laughing, didn't laugh because there's a joke. It laughed because it saw on a piece of paper, laugh, the word laugh. So it laughed. It's very fascinating. I don't know. Sorry. I kind of digress there, but this is how fascinating the brain is. I don't know if you're curious about it. You can go and research this. It's the Sperry and Gazzaniga um, split, ba- sp- split brain researcher split brain experiment is very fascinating. I read that and I was like, oh my God, I can't believe this. Anyways, I get I get really into these things. But when it comes to talking about self, 
and the brain and how we perceive things. You can think about an artist or a movie maker or an illusionist or whatever it is. And you think about the conscious experience and how highly manipulative and context dependent it is. I should say manipulatable, not manipulative, manipulatable and context dependent it really is. Our memories are so largely abstract and it is a reinterpretation of events. We hold distorted memories of past experience. I don't know if you're familiar. I've read this a long time ago where it says, we don't remember things exactly how it happened. It's distorted. It's never exactly how it is. You're not remembering exactly how it happened. You're remembering how your brain is telling you. <laughs> you never remember things exactly how it happens. You're remembering things what uh, how your brain tells you to remember it you cannot you're not in control of your brains which takes me to this very interesting topic where we talk about that inner voice which is that i right that's responsible for all those things when you talk about i and you think about who is responsible for the way you think who is responsible for your emotions, who is responsible for all those things. And when you think about reading, when you're reading or when you're writing or you think about, for example, there's a sequence and maybe it's an alphabetical sequence where you have A, B, blank. Automatically, your brain is saying C because it's A, B, C. Your inner voice is saying the C. Even though there's no C there, it's automatically filling things. And this is what the brain does. This is what the whole self is, the illusion of self. All of this, the brain is just creating this illusion, this narrative. It's constantly filling in things. It makes no sense. How is your brain automatically filling in things? So when you think about your intrusive thoughts, you want to think about the fact that you're actually incapable of stopping those intrusive thoughts. You can't stop them. They come and this is what I'm saying. Where do they come from? And that's what your inner self controls. That I controls that. Those thoughts that you have. You're unable to stop it. But when you talk about self, the illusion of self. So there's this quote that says why are you unhappy because 99.9 percent .9 of everything you think and of everything you do is for yourself and there isn't one this was by Wei Wu Wei and it's very fascinating because when you think about how not in control you are of your thoughts and then you think about the fact that you may not be able to sleep at night because you're worried about some problem that is for something that doesn't exist you're about things that doesn't exist things that keep you up at night think about work problems you think about money problems you think about relationship problems what would happen if you remove the self from the all the problems because you're thinking that these problems or the me or the I problems or these are my problems. But if the sense of self is an illusion 
if it's all an illusion, then why do you have all these issues? But the brain tells you that it's important. The brain is saying to you, you know what? This is important. You need to worry about this. You need to think about this. But really, do you need to? Do you really need to think? Well, you can't control it. You absolutely cannot control it. But you're unable to distinguish the mental suffering from physical pain because pain occurs in the body and it is a physical reaction. Like when you, you know, stub your pinky toe, oh, that's the most painful thing. The suffering is, it occurs in the mind only and describe things such as you may worry, you may have anger, you may have anxiety, you may have regret, you may have shame, you may have this. All these things about suffering that you can think of only exist in the brain. It doesn't exist outside of the brain. It doesn't. And this is why if you think about when you have pain and you take any pills for the pain, does it really take away the pain or just makes your mind just maybe work on the nerve so you don't you don't feel the pain anymore but if pain is all an illusion should we be feeling pain i don't know all these questions no answers for it but you know when you talk about self as being an illusion you can talk you can't not talk about the fact that you can't say, is it that the sense of self is pointless? Is it that the most powerful and consistent illusion we experience? So there is more to it. But when you think about social media and what's going on with social media and the sense of self, because when, it's, when you think about self and the sense of self, it's, it's because of maybe your religion your culture, your parents, your grandparents, right? Because of those experiences, because of what they taught you, because of that, it makes you who you are today. But when you think about social media and what's going on in social media and how it's influencing a lot of people to do things, then you have to question the sense of self and what does that look like in the future because if all these people are being influenced by but what are they even being influenced by but i guess the brain because all these thoughts and all these things are always coming from the brain where is it coming from <laughs> it's coming from the mind it's coming from this self but thing is with social media is that it allows people to find like-minded people like them which can be a breeding ground for radicals, right? So people who are definitely way out there with their ideas or it could be good, it could be bad. But what does that look like for the sense of self? Because your sense of self is developed from, again, your religion, your culture and all of that. But if you have the internet and people are just, there's no filter. So for lack of a better term, there is no filter there's nothing to truly kind of filter what is it because when you think about your parents and the culture and religion they're filtering things there's things that they go through and they don't want you to experience that they don't tell you everything and then maybe you have to grow up and you kind of have to experience it and you kind of figure out but regardless the fundamentals the basis the foundation of who you are is based on things that they tell you because you don't really know any different but with social media that's exposing 
YouTube, whatever, and every single thing, is it going to change who you are as an individual? I mean, you're already seeing it. You're already seeing all these different changes come up, all these different pronouns, quote unquote, that people are using. So it's changing the self, the sense of self. But does it still allow you to be an individual? Because when you're identifying with a bunch of different people, can you truly and honestly say you're still being yourself? But what is being yourself? Again, it goes back to what is being yourself? Because what is being this? It's all an illusion. It, it doesn't really exist. So you can't even say, well, you pretending to be like somebody or being influenced by somebody doing this. It's all an illusion. It's all a freaking illusion. But you know, when it comes to free will, because when you think about self as an illusion or the illusion of self and free will, they're kind of one and the same. Because when you talk about self, you talk, you, you kind of hear you have free will because with the self and being an individual, it allows you to make choices. It allows you to choose from A, B, C, or D. It, your eye, that inner voice inside of you chooses for you and tells you exactly what to do. It controls everything. But when it comes to free will, this is my take on this. I don't think we have free will unless free will means that you have the option to choose from A, B, C, or D then yes, we have free will. But for me, when I talk about free will, I think that free will is having the option to choose whatever it is you want to choose. Because, okay, hear me out. So this is what I'm saying. When it comes to choices, you're only choosing choices that's, let's say, in front of you. You're not able to make any other choice. And isn't the choice already made for you? Because you're not actually making the choice. This sense of self that is an illusion, it's actually making a choice for you because you can't realistically control your thoughts and your thinkings, wherever it comes from. You can't control it. You're not in control of any of this. So it's making a decision for you, whether you're religious and you want to say it's God or you're you know, thinking somebody's haunted and you want to say the devil or you're atheist or whatever it is, whatever you want to call it. Whatever this self is that's making a decision for you it's making a decision for you yeah it's making a decision for you but doesn't that mean that life in reality is deterministic and that even though you think you have a choice you really don't have a choice the choice that you think that you're choosing or you're selecting you're not actually selecting it. Yourself is selecting it. This illusion of self is selecting it for you. That doesn't really exist. And I'm now I'm confused because I'm like, what the hell? What the hell? Because if the self is an illusion and it doesn't exist, but it is that's choosing for me, but it's choosing based on emotions and experience and memories and all of that. That's how you make your choices. You're making your choice based on that. You're making a choice based on, is this more risky? to take this choice or this option because at the end of the day we have our own self-interest we're very selfish in every single thing that we do we do it that's something that's going to bring us the most pleasure 
we want to do something that we want to work the job that's going to bring us more money. We want to live in the biggest house because it makes us quote unquote feels good. We want to drive the best car. We want to eat the best food. Even if the reality is maybe we can't really afford all of that, but that's what we aim to do. That's what we want to do, but it's all because we're self. Whenever you think about even having sex, we want to have sex because it's pleasurable or we want to have sex because it allows us to procreate and spread our genes and to have family or other humans that brings on our gene or to carry on our legacy. Very selfish reasons. It's all very selfish. Some people may not agree with this, but I, every single thing that we do, we do it for selfish reasons. We don't really do it to benefit. If you even look at this whole planet and you talk about, I feel like I'm digressing a little bit here, but I'm just going to digress a little bit. But when you think about global warming and how as humans we have what we have done to the planet. We're not living in harmony with the planet. We're very selfish that we feel like we need to deplete all the resources. We need to deplete every single thing and don't put anything back. If you think about just basics recycling, people don't recycle it. People don't recycle. People just throw everything and it goes into the landfill because we're self we don't have time for that. We don't have time for all of that. It doesn't really benefit us. We we don't think that anything is affecting us until it's like directly in our face, till we're really facing the consequences so we don't really think about that but let me get back into my point which is that we do every single thing that we do is very selfish so when it comes to talking about free will and the fact that we really don't have free will because every option every decision that we will make we will ever make is coming from our self our i self our that voice in the back of our heads and that's choosing an option and it's going to tell us that's the best option which we can argue with that and saying that's not the best option because it's literally controlling everything we have to accept it we have to accept it what are we going to do not accept it the only options that we have available to us are say a and b and if you don't go with option A, then you're going to go with option B because your mind is telling you or your eye is telling you or your self is telling you that's what you need to choose. And where's that coming from? Whatever it is. Again, I think it's very deterministic. I don't think free will even exists because of that. Again, unless free will means that at least you have the option to choose between A and B, then you have free will. Then you say, well, yeah, we have free will. But then you go back and you think about the thoughts that we have and where the thoughts come from. It comes from wherever it comes from. It's already selecting for us. It's already choosing for us. Because what I'm saying that we live in a, if the world is deterministic or the reality is very deterministic, that means we're saying that everything is already chosen or paths is already plotted for us. And we can't deviate from that. No matter how we think that we're in control, we are not in control. That little voice in our head is in control, whatever it is, whatever it sounds like, wherever it's coming from. That's what's in control of us, of our actions, of our emotions, of every single thing, whatever it is that we decide to do. And it's mind boggling to me that whatever that is that's making that decision for us doesn't really exist because there's no center for it in the brain that can literally pinpoint. There's no area in the brain that actually lights up when you talk about self specifically. Is 
the sense of self, truly an illusion. I mean, it really is. <laughs> it really is an illusion. 